Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Friday, July 21st, 2023. And I'm your host, as always, The Pody. Um, so I'm off today on Fridays This sum- in the summer. I'm off, so able to get this podcast rolled out nice and early to you guys. It's not even 1 p.m. here on the East Coast. So that's good. I have the Open Championship in the background because that's been going on since like 5 a.m. You've also got the World Cup, which is underway. You've got um, a whole lot of stuff going on right now. And I just got a notification from Amazon. So that's good. Um, My package is six steps away, which is awesome because I ordered a new um, Golf Pride grip for my 60 degree wedge because uh funny story I was playing last weekend and so I use the Arcus or Arcos Caddy like golf sensors I bought them I put them on all my clubs I pay like 120 bucks or whatever it is for the year and every time I hit a ball um with each club it tracks each shot so I put it on my watch it gives me the distances to the hole and then when I get to the end of the hole it tracks every single shot. Sometimes, I, most of the time, I have to adjust the putts. Um, but for the most part, it tracks all the other shots. Well, my 60-degree wedge a couple weeks ago, the sensor flew off the club because they screw into the top. And somehow I was playing. And in one of two shots around the green, my I lost the sensor. And I was playing with other people. And I just there was no way I was going to be able to go back and find it. So while I was playing the round, I went back onto the website and I ordered a replacement um, sensor for 20 bucks. Got the sensor, put it on my club last weekend when I was playing with my dad and my brother and his wife. And I hit a really good shot with the 60 degree. But it was on like a patch of grass that was a little bit raised. And there was like not much grass around it. It was kind of dirt. So when I hit it, I hit that that grass, that um, clob of, of grass, and I really didn't get a good follow through. But the way I hit it, the vibration, it just, the thing flew off. And so for like five minutes, I'm freaking out trying to look for this thing because I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to lose this thing right after I just got it. So finally, after a couple of minutes, my dad was able to find it and I didn't really use the club the rest of the round. So I decided the best thing to do just get a new grip because the hole that it screws into, it's almost like stripped. The hole is too big. So it's not really catching when I try to screw it in. So I just ordered a new um, a new grip, and I'll try to regrip it. I've never regripped any clubs before, but I've watched videos. It's not that hard. I know my dad did it sometime last year, the year before. So he's got the tape, he's got the solvent. So I'm gonna regrip the the club. So I'll do that after I get this podcast done. So that's cool. Um, yeah, the Open Championships going on right now. Started at like 5 a.m. The World Cup's been going on overnight. The U.S. plays at 9 p.m. tonight. They are plus 250 favorites to three-peat. Um, I'll get into that in, in a second. Um, as far as the Open, they just have the updated standings here. Brian Harmon shot a six under 65 today. You've got Tommy Fleetwood at five under. He had dropped to like four or even three under, but a um, couple birdies, he's back to five under where he started the round. And then Jordan Spieth is sitting at three under. I made a little bit of a um, bet. Just recently, I got the uh, DraftKings 18% profit boost, and I bet on Wyndham Clark, who was three under 
Okay, so he's trying to do something that hasn't been done since maybe Tiger when the U.S. Open and the uh, and the um, Open Championship in the same year, and um, we'll see. You know, he he's he was at three under, which would have been tied for third with Spieth, but he's he dropped a shot. He's at two under, and he missed a couple chances for birdies on some long putts. Um, somebody just cranked the back of the flag stick and, and knocked one in. I can't tell who that was in. Sammy Valamaki. I don't know who that is, but anyway. Okay, so yeah, that's who's at the top of the leaderboard right now. And I'll update you later on throughout the show if things change. So let's jump right in. All right, the Women's World Cup is officially underway. We had a massive upset with host nation New Zealand beating uh, Norway, I think it was, one nothing. So that was a really big upset. Um, I know Spain had a big 3 nil win overnight against uh, somebody. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're in the thick of it here. The U.S. women, they play tonight, I believe, on Fox at 9 p.m. I will be tuning in for that. It's crazy. So Alex Morgan is minus 800 to score a goal, which is incredible. The U.S. is favored by six and a half goals, um, which is just insane. And they are minus 20,000 to win this game. I just, for the hell of it, was punching in numbers. If I bet $5,000 on the U.S. to win at minus 20,000, I'll earn, I'll make $25 off a $5,000 bet, which is crazy. Crazy. So, yeah, I'd have to bet $20,000 just to win $100. Just, and you know, there's people out there that are going to bet like $5 million or a or, or million dollars on the US and it's going to pay like pennies on the dollar. So that's how heavily favored they are. And again, they are favored to three-peat. Um, you know, they won the last two, the last couple of years. What was it, 2015, 2019, something like that. So anyway, yeah, you can catch that later tonight. Okay, speaking of soccer, Messi is set to make his Inter-Miami debut versus Cruz Azul tonight at 8 p.m. on Apple TV. You need to have the um, MLS Plus or whatever the hell it is on Apple TV Plus there. I don't plan on paying for that. But um, it's funny because I've been texting my brother in our family chat throughout the morning because um, my brother recently just moved to Fort Lauderdale this past week and Inter-Miami, they're... They're, uh, the stadium is located in Fort Lauderdale, and he just sent me a picture of like the maps view from how long it would take to get there from his place, and it's only 20 minutes. And then I joked with him, good luck if you try to go because the cheapest just price just to get in the door was $380 a few days ago. I think that's even higher now. And then they broke it down. Um, the highest, most expensive ticket is going for $37,000 tonight. And um, the next five matches, I'll break it down by price. So July 25th, that's in four days. That's going to be the cheapest price, actually. That's going for $180. But again, depending on how tonight goes, that price is going to fluctuate. It's probably going to go up. Then you have August 20th is $300. August 23rd, come on, Wyndham. Yeah. Oh, no, that wasn't Wyndham. That looked like Wyndham Clark. Hold on. No, I saw the. Uh, I just saw the outfit he was wearing, and he had a gray sweatshirt on. So I thought... Or a, uh, yeah, I thought a crew neck. I thought it was um, Wyndham Clark, but it wasn't. Okay, anyway, 
got excited there when that putt dropped. Um, so then you have the 23rd is 366, August 26th, 321, and then September 3rd is going to be $512. I mean, season ticket sales have gone through the roof. Every It's crazy. Um, but as far as I know, Inter-Miami isn't even a very good team. So, you know, it's cool that the MLS, this is like the first time ever that I, they've got, you know, a World Cup winner and a Bayonne d'Or um, winner, uh, Golden Boot in Messi you know, playing for the MLS. Um, and then I saw Ronaldo took some shots at the MLS saying, oh, the Saudi league that he's in is better than the MLS and whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool. So uh, I'll keep you guys updated if my brother ever gets to a match or something. But uh, I'll definitely, I mean, it's going to be hard to tune in because you've got, let's see, tonight, I mean, that's at 8, and then at 9 is the Women's World Cup. Well, of course I'm going to watch the Women's World Cup. I mean, I, I'm, I'll pay attention to some updates and stuff on Messi. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. Um, like I said, it's going to be, you have to pay for it to watch it on Apple TV, so I won't be doing that. Um, there's streaming sites out there that will be carrying it, I'm sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll see if I want to check that out because um, there's a lot of stuff going on tonight too that I want to watch. All right, let's see. Um, so talking a lot about the Open Championship, I just want to give you guys a timeline because of the time difference over at Royal Liverpool and over in the UK. There's a huge time difference. So tomorrow and Sunday, if you want to catch this, you got to do it early. The coverage will begin at 5 a.m. on USA Network. It's also on USA. Oh, my God. Brooks Kepka missed a three-foot putt. He hit it too hard, and it just kicked right out. Wowzers. Uh, my brother bet on Brooks yesterday. Um, coverage begins at 5 a.m. on USA Network. It's also on USA Network right now. And then it will pick up on NBC at 7. That goes for both tomorrow and Sunday. All right. And unfortunately, I won't be able to catch it on Sunday because I was able to snag four tickets to Jets training camp on Sunday morning. Uh, those tickets were going fast and furious, and I happened to jump on, and I was able to get four tickets. So me, my dad, and I think my two friends are going to are gonna try to go on Sunday morning. We're going to have to leave around like 8 o'clock. I'm kind of dreading that. But, you know, Hard Knocks uh, camera should be rolling, should get to see a little bit of Aaron Rodgers. You know, they're making a big deal. He's finally, you know, wearing his uniform. He's wearing number 8. And uh, all this good stuff. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be super hot, I'm sure. But looking forward to that. I didn't get to go last year. But I think I went the year before and the year before that maybe. Um, but I've been to training camp before. It's pretty cool. I got some signatures on my hat. Um, so, yeah, it's always a, a cool, different type of atmosphere, different type of experience to watch them just practice and, you know, in, in, in their natural element. Um. All right, so Fleetwood is still in second. Harmon is obviously in first. I don't think anyone's catching him today. Uh, you know who's not in first? Justin Thomas. The 2022 PGA champ has had an ungodly year so far, and yesterday he shot an 82, which put him in second to last out of 156 players. Oh, my God. And he's now almost certainly going to miss the Ryder Cup. Um, it's crazy, this game. I mean, you think about it last year, so I just watched Ricky Fowler. He's at plus one. But Ricky Fowler, who has 
been just having a resurgent year. Last year, he was ranked 148th in the world, and he um, missed. He didn't qualify for the Open, and now he's ranked 22nd in the world. Um, here's Wyndham Clark on 11. This is his second shot. That was like a half swing. Come on, Wyndham. Oh, God. Oh, Wow, that looked like it was going to be great, and then it just had some crazy backspin and kick off the side of the green, and it rolled back to probably like 15 feet or so, 20 feet. Um, here's Fowler for birdie. That's, oof, well short. It should be, uh, he'll make that for par, though. Okay, so um, I'm trying to figure out the cut line. When he was at two over before, they said it was going to be close to the cut line, so I don't know if the cut line's going to be at one over or not, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, got to mention this amateur to Christo Lampret, if that's, if I'm pronouncing that right, the South African by way of Georgia tech, the amateur was leading yesterday, tied for the lead at five under, um, this dude is six foot eight. I just couldn't imagine if I was six foot eight, I mean, I'd be bombing the ball like 500 yards easily. I feel like so. I really don't know how far this guy does hit the ball, but impressive nonetheless. He's just the second amateur in the last 50 years to have a first-round lead at the Open, so that's crazy. All right, moving on. Let's get back to the States and talk some American sports here. Well, golf is American, but you know what I mean. They're playing overseas. Um, there's some big news out of the uh, football world, the the NFL world, I should say. Um, also, Adam Schefter's been tweeting. This is on a side note, but the, the ratings have been coming out for Matt, and they just released the top 10 quarterbacks. And Aaron Rodgers is number eight, which I'm sorry that's a little bit low, but I'll let it slide. Um, we'll get some updates on that. But no, what I'm talking about, I just read this this morning. Um, Jaguars assistant strength coach, Kevin Maxson just came out at uh, publicly as gay yesterday, becoming the first openly gay male coach in major American men's pro sports. So that's wild. Of course, we know we've had some openly gay athletes, but never a, a coach before. And this, an assistant strength coach. Um, and listen, you do you, man. Like, whatever you do in your personal life, I have no problem. But, um, yeah, that's... You know, that's crazy. And I'm sure um, it's interesting, too, because, like, obviously, you think when you think sports, you think macho men and and uh, jacked dudes and, like, bros and and um, and you don't think, like, that side. And especially the fact that he is a – I mean, I would, I would expect this out of a coach. Yeah, sure, eventually, but not in football and especially not – as a strength coach. So that's pretty impressive. The fact that he is, um, you know, at the pretty much highest level of his profession. Um, so yeah, kudos to kudos to him for coming out. Um, and nothing's probably going to change. You know, he's just there to do his job. And, you know, I love when, when like, players or, or or somebody comes out as gay, right? And like these other players get all scared, like, oh my God, this guy, you know, he's going to be changing in the same locker room as me. He's going to be like hitting on me and stuff like that. It's like, no, dude, they just want to be treated the same as everybody else. And it's, you know, quite frankly, it's harder on them because you have a lot of old style, old school 
um, conservative types and, and that that just you know are totally against you know homosexuality and things of that nature. But I have no issue like like you want to. You want to be gay? That's your that's that's your priority. That's that's your personal life. Doesn't affect anything I do in my life, right? So so kudos for this guy to uh, you know having the courage to come out, and um, especially in a sport like football, it, it's not easy. We saw it with the kid, what Michael Sam, I think was his name way back when. He was um, unfortunately not really able to hang on and hold a spot in the NFL. But um, yeah, this news broke. It's it's just news for, you know, I'm sure it won't be a big deal after this. And um, and we'll move on. And I'm sure this will start to become the norm. And we won't even, it won't even really need to be a headline. It'll be like, oh, okay, cool. That coach is gay, whatever. Like, it's is he a good strength coach? Because, you know, that's all that matters at the, in the grand scheme of things. So anyway, they're just showing highlights from Harmon's around today, which I did not get to see because I was sleeping. Again, I said the coverage started early. I think today was like 4 a.m. But it, it's crazy because Harmon, uh, Georgia Bulldog, right, he is not a big guy by any means at all. And I'm surprised, like, you know, I don't know if a lot of people bet on him or not, but should have seen this coming. He's had a couple top 20 finishes of late. He's been playing really well, including uh, he just finished second at the Travelers recently. But what what is he, like 5'6"? I mean, he's really, it's just, that's why I love the game of golf so much because I'm 5'4", 120 pounds, soaking wet. And when I go and play with my brother, who's pushing, you know, 200 pounds, he's like 5'10", um... And most of the other people that I play, they're all bigger than me. And I typically can outdrive every single one of them. And now it's really gotten consistent to the fact to, to where I'm outdriving my dad almost on every drive. Um, the more I play, the better I've gotten. And I used to, there used to be a lot of rounds where I would play where I would top a lot of my drives and it would just roll in front of me. And I've gotten away from that now. And for a lot of rounds, very consistently now, I have not hit, like my worst drive was maybe like a crazy duck hook that went with, you know, within 50 to 100 yards or so, like not horrible. Um, but before when I used to top it like 10 yards, you know, and then I'd have to go and play play another ball or whatever. And so now like I've gotten so consistent with my driver that even if I'm not straight with it, I'm still bombing it, you know, 200 yards or, or so or whatever. But my average when I'm playing good and like last weekend, um, I beat my dad uh, by three, I think I want to say. I shot an 88 at a course I've only played f twice now. but um, And I still am not playing my best because I can't hit my long irons. It's just brutal. Um, everything pretty much just shanks right, and I'm lo I've lost distance over the past year plus, and I just can't fix it. Um, it's, been, it's been really tough, um, but I putted really well over the weekend. But, um, yeah, mo consistently I'm – you know, average drives. The last couple rounds, my drives haven't been going as far, which I'm okay with as long as, you know, they're going for the most part straight. And um, so, you know, I can average when I'm playing well about 250 off the drive, you know, off the, you know, with my driver. Um, but, you know, probably last round, I, I want to say my phone is um playing the open right now, so I don't want to grab that. But, I could check the stats. I think my last round, maybe I was averaging around 240 on my drives. Um, 
But again, as long as I'm hitting my drive straight and they're going out, you know, around two at least 200 yards, uh, that's that's half the battle. Because if you could start off with that first shot good, you can give yourself some wiggle room on those next couple shots. And I putted really well. Um, I, I three putted on 18, which pissed me off. But I, um, for the most part, I putted really well. Any putts between like three to six feet, I was just pretty much making almost every time. And that's very rare for me. So, um, yeah, I've been feeling good about my game. But anyway, so we get back to it. I don't even know where we left off, but let's talk uh, some baseball. So we've seen some boneheaded injuries in baseball, guys doing dumb stuff, right? Um, we, we've seen it all from, you know, not even just baseball. We had Amari Stoudemire punching the fire hydrant, cutting up his hand. You know, we've, we've had, um, you, you know, all sorts of injuries. Kevin Brown, I think, punched a wall with the Yankees, broke his hand. Um, we had... Um, the guy on the Mets a few years back, the Cuban guy, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Um, he, like, what did he break his ankle at his farm in Florida, like, trying to wrestle with a with a wild boar or, or something like that? Like, we've just seen all sorts of injuries. Um, we saw the other night, too, in the Yankees game, and I'll get to them in a minute. Tommy Canley was pissed off. Either, I think it was bottom of the eighth inning or top of the ninth, he came back to the dugout, and he threw his glove at a fan not a, a fan in the crowd, an actual fan that blows air on you that was in the dugout. And then it fell over and he just started stomping on it and he took all his frustration out on the fan. Well, Jared Kellenick, former number one overall pick or number six overall pick by the Mets, he was sent to the uh, Mariners in that trade for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, actually having a good year hitting a little over 250, 45 RBIs, 11 home runs, I think it was. And the... Mariners were teetering on, is that Wyndham Clark again? Come on, dude. God, that's like the third one he kind of lipped out. He hit that way too hard. God, I'm not, I don't like this guy. I really don't, but I like the odds, so I picked him. I bet on him. Uh, all right, so, yeah, so Kellenick in the ninth inning the other night, Mariners are hovering around 500, right? They're in that, like, weird spot. Are they going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? And... Ninth inning, two on, nobody out. They were losing uh, six to three, I believe. And Kellenick struck out looking. And boy, was he pissed. So he comes back to the dugout and he naturally tried to take out his frustration by kicking a water cooler. And let me just tell you the water cooler won this match. Kellenick broke his foot in the process. Uh, okay, I guess that's Amazon ringing my doorbell. Um, I'm not answering that because I'm in the middle of a podcast, so sorry, lady. Anyway, just leave the package. Um, so yeah, Kalanick was very emotional. He talked to reporters. It was like over two minutes. I'm not playing it. It was the following day. This was on Wednesday night. He spoke to reporters Thursday, and it's a shame because it was a boneheaded move, and it's like, Oh, great, as Wyndham Clark hits his driver, completely slices it right, and just drops the club out in his follow-through because he knows it was bad. That's awesome. Hits that into the fans somewhere. Good luck finding that. Um, so, yeah, Kellenick is going to be out for a while. And speaking of injuries, Josh Donaldson probably out for the season. Good riddance. He hurt his – he's got like a grade three calf strain, and I knew it happened about a week ago. Um, 
when he took a swing on a foul ball in the first inning as DH, and he stayed in the game, and I was like, oh, this dude's probably hurt. And I was a little surprised he stayed in the game, but now I'm not surprised at all that he's going to miss the rest of the year because he's a bum. All right. The sale of the Washington Commanders is official. One of the most hated owners in sports is finally out, Dan Snyder, of course. Um, He was also actually just fined $60 million yesterday after an investigation revealed misconduct from Snyder himself, among others, and financial improprieties in the organization. I believe they said something like he withheld $11 million in revenue from other owners, and possibly, I I think I read that he might have also also sexually harassed a female staffer or something like that. But $60 million is a drop in the hat because guess what? Dan Snyder is a winner in this deal. He sold the Washington Commanders for a little over $6 billion, I think $6.08 billion, to Josh Harris. Oh, my God. Um, Josh Harris, of course, is the equity investment fund guy. He's best known um, for owning the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. So, yeah, just ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, the best part of this whole thing, the Washington Commanders, who just changed their name not too long ago, are probably going to change their name yet again. So, just whatever. I don't really care at this point. Um... All right, now it's time to talk to the Yankees. I had an epic rant on them last week. Well, they've officially hit rock bottom. One in five since the All-Star break. Um, I spoke about how they they got a new hitting coach in Sean Casey, right? MLB vet, very well-respected guy, yada, yada, yada. And it started off amazingly in Colorado. We started off with a base hit from Glaber right out of the All-Star gates, right? Base hit from Glaber, boom, two-run homer from Giancarlo Stanton. And then they lost the game, and those were the only two runs they scored, and that was in the first inning. And it's just been downhill since. They had two extra inning losses. Um, I think the Yankees are the worst team in scoring that ghost runner in the, you know, in the playoffs, which is just a joke because they don't know how to play baseball. Yet Oswaldo Peraza and I believe Harrison Bader, both in extra innings, get, um, get thrown out at third base trying to advance on a throw from the outfield. Like, they're just so bad, okay? They are 20-28 and without Aaron Judge, and now they are in last place in the AL East. This is the latest that they have been in last place since 1990. If George, George is rolling over in his grave right now. If he were alive, nobody would have a job right now. It's disgusting what I'm watching. Wednesday night, they, they, they put out a lineup in which seven guys were hitting below 235. They must have the worst cleanup hitter in baseball. Anthony Rizzo hasn't hit a home run in 42 straight games. He got the night off uh, Wednesday, and it, instead it was DJ LeMahieu batting fourth. DJ LeMahieu is not a freaking power hitter. Doesn't even have 40 RBIs. I, I mean, I, I'm just over this team. Oswald, Oswald Peraza, right? Um... Guy wasn't good enough to make the opening day roster as the shortstop. Instead, that went to Anthony Volpe. Okay, so they recently call up Peraza, right? Now that Donaldson's gone. Okay, Peraza got picked off twice. He got thrown out at third trying to advance. He would have been the winning run had he not gotten made the third out at third base, which you're never supposed to do, ever. Everyone knows that. You're taught that as a little kid. Okay, he makes the third out at third base. Then the other day, he's leading off, gets on base, and he gets picked off first, not by Andy Pettit. No, 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 no. 
by a right-handed pitcher whose name I don't even know. I mean, these guys that they're facing on the Angels and Rockies have ERAs well over six, over seven, and these guys are striking out, you know, 12. The Yankees against the uh, in the series against the Angels, they struck out 43 times, or 42 times. One shy of their record from a few seasons ago in which they struck out 43 times against either, I think, the White Sox or the Indians or something. It's just pathetic what I'm watching. And then, oh, by the way, not only is Peraza getting thrown, uh, picked off and whatnot, he's immediately batting leadoff. So a neophyte, they just called up, oh, we're going to bat you leadoff for a couple games. And what does he do while he's batting leadoff? He strikes out a combined seven times. Seven goddamn times. It, it, it's pathetic. And then the guy that took his job essentially out of training camp in Anthony Volpe, every time I turn around, he's like one for his last 20-something. He can't hit every swing he takes. Oh, my God. Every swing this kid takes, he's off balance. He can't hit anything low and away off speed. He really can't hit a fastball. I mean, the only pitch he can hit that I've really seen him hit is the fastball down, and either he hits a home run or he's late on it because his swing is so long that he's getting sack flies or flying out. I mean, it's really and the only and the, and then of course he could you know wave at it and roll over. They have no two strike approach. They have no plate discipline. These guys are taking pitches right down the chute and then swinging at pitches over their head or swinging at pitches in the dirt. I mean, this guy Peraza. I watched him swing at a pitch two feet outside and in the dirt. And he just waved at it. He was clearly guessing fastball and had no chance. There is zero plate discipline and zero approach. These guys get up to the box and they're like home runner bust, home runner bust, and they don't. Don't know how to hit situationally. I mean, it's they're not even hitting home runs at this point. It, it's a joke. They lost the other night. They had seven hits. Angels had five. The Angels were the ones hitting the home runs. They're just Glaber Torres right now is the only one hitting on this team. The only reliable one. Bader hasn't done anything. I I mean, it's it's a joke. And then you want to talk about oh, let's go get Otani and let's get Soto. Well, guess what? It ain't gonna solve your problems. And getting Aaron Judge back isn't gonna solve anything either. We're starting to see him take BP and run a little bit, but he can't pitch. He can't can't do it all. I mean, take Rodon. They paid him $162 million in free agency, and he's finally made his third start now, or fourth start, and he got booed after the second inning in L.A. that he's blowing kisses to the crowd sarcastically. Like, bro, what are you doing? Come on. And then your wife has got to make, you know, you know, um, tweet out stuff to defend you. Like, dude, it's it's mind-boggling. It's my You suck. I, I mean, I'm not one of those guys booing Rodon because I'm not stupid. Like, I know he's just finding his rhythm. He he has missed the whole season. He's only made a couple rehab starts and, and now a couple major league starts. And really, his first start, they should have won. He got zero run support, gave up only like three runs. So he hasn't been like horrible. So he's not like Frankie Montas or anything like that yet. So, you know, I'll cut him some slack, but it's not a good move to to blow kisses to the fans. Um, and this is on a road trip against two bad teams in Colorado and in the Angels. What's going to happen when they come home? I mean, it's got it's gotten outrageous. The fact that Rizzo has ended a home run in 42 games is quite shocking. And then we have Aaron Boone the other night. They're up by two runs, and you're pitching to Shohei Otani with a man on first. Put the goddamn tying run on first base. I don't care that the guy on deck is hitting 330 and is a former number one overall pick. I never even heard of the guy. 
okay? And then and then Boone is going to tell the reporter eight times he says no, that they didn't even think about walking him. And that's the problem with analytics in a nutshell right there, ladies and gentlemen. Analytics say, oh, the guy on deck is hitting 330. This guy up at bat isn't hitting 330. We got a pitch to this guy. We can't put the time. The guy at bat is arguably what people are calling the greatest two-way player in the history of the game. He's leading the major leagues in home runs. He's on pace to, to break Aaron Judge's home run record, or he's close. Basically, even with, with where Judge was. Uh, he leads the majors, or he's he's right up there in RBIs, leading the majors in home runs, and he pitches to him. One-two count, throws a pitch right down the middle, and Otani hits a two-run homer, and the Yankees lose an extra inning. So it's just, it, Boone's got to go. I'm over it. Um, I'm let, I, I it's laughable that I actually thought this was the man for the job when they hired him. I was actually excited that we were bringing in Aaron Boone, but it's not really Aaron Boone. It's a robot that's being, you know, uh, that's got the the Elon Musk friggin' microchip in his brain, uh, or or the Joe Biden microchip, uh, the Neuralink, and and he's basically being told everything everything he spits out is a joke. I mean, he defends players for making errors. He defends like he 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 just he he thinks we're stupid and and the stuff that he responds to reporters with like would indicate that we're just we're on a different planet. Aaron Boone is the smartest man in the room, right? Like are we that do you, does he really think we're that stupid? So no. Naturally, Boone's got to go, and I just hope the Yankees miss the playoffs at this point because I can't take any more misery. Judge, Aaron Judge, if you're listening, don't come back, please. Just just stay on the couch, rehab, get your friggin' foot right, and come back next year when we have a new manager and a new front office. Please, God. I'm over it. I'm over it. And the fact that the Yankees were like, oh, we can't trade Anthony Volpe for Juan Soto a couple years ago. We can't trade him for these these big name prospects. We can't trade them for uh, who the pitcher on Seattle um, that, that, that Seattle traded for from the Reds, right? A couple, a, a couple, uh, yeah, last year at the trade deadline, they, they wouldn't trade. They would not trade Anthony Volpe for him. And instead we had to settle on, Oh, Frankie Montas. And guess what? Is Frankie Montas even, even, um, even on the Yankees right now. That's right. Oh, he's been hurt since we acquired him. And that's the other thing we always acquire. Love to acquire all the time. Just got to love it how Cashman loves to acquire guys that are hurt. Bader was hurt when we acquired him. Montas was hurt. Uh, I'm talking Luis Castillo. Thank you. Luis Castillo. We should have traded for this guy. We didn't. Instead, we went for the, the guy that was number two on the list of uh, of availability, and he turned out to be horrific. So, should have traded. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm out on Volpe. I know the kid's young, but he can't. I know he's playing for his hometown team. He grew up in my home state of New Jersey, went to Del Barton, all that stuff. I get it, but I, I'm sorry. Like, this isn't Derek Jeter, the, the growing pains. Like, no. Derek Jeter was a professional hitter. Derek Jeter couldn't field the ball in the minor leagues. That's different. Derek Jeter could always hit, okay? And Anthony Volpe can't hit. His swing is long. It's launch angle. It's bottom to top. He's not getting the bat head to the ball. He gets his hands out first. His swing is long. He wraps the bat. He he goes from 0 to 100. He he doesn't, I, I mean, oh, great. Now he closed off his swing because, you know, his, his friends when he went back home were telling him, like, all this stuff and whatever. Um, and and um, it, it's ridiculous. 
I I I I mean he's so overmatched it, it, and 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 they're so they're so um deeply invested at this point that there's no going back. There's no retracting. You can't send them back at this point. It, it's too late. It's over. It, it, it it's brutal. So, you know what? If you have a chance to get Juan Soto or Shohei Otani, you might as well do it and do whatever do whatever it takes. Like the Jason Dominguez that the Martian they call him, like is he going to pan out? No, probably not because nobody in this organization seems to pan out. The Gary Sanchez's, I, I, I mean, I could go on and on. None of these guys, they don't know what they're doing. And it's top-down organizationally. Their friggin' hitting philosophy is garbage. It's garbage, okay? Give me, give me 10 Luis Arias's and I'll win a World Series every freaking year. I don't care how many home runs I hit. I want guys that can hit in clutch situations and can hit for average because that's what it takes come playoff time. God, my rant is over. And I don't want to sound like I'm really bashing uh, the homegrown kid, Volpe. I know he's young. I get it. But unless this kid completely changes his hitting, um, his swing, and his mechanics going into next year, he's not going to last in, in the major leagues. I'm sorry. He's just not. Okay. Paul Skeens, I told you he went number one. His teammate went number two. That was history-making. Well, we have some more history. He agreed. Um, he signed. Uh, his signing bonus was record, record high amount. $9.2 million signing bonus for the number one overall pick in Paul Skeens. That tops the $8.1 million the Tigers gave Spencer Torkelson in 2020. Just incredible. And then some shockingly uh, crazy news. Thank God um, that everybody, it's worked out. Everybody's okay. But Jeff Passan, the MLB reporter, ESPN, right? Everybody knows who Jeff Passan is. He is like the Adam Schefter or the Adrian Wojnarowski of baseball. Well, I don't know if he lives in Kansas City or not, but I'm assuming he has a house there or whatever. But apparently he tweeted there was a bad storm he was cleaning up after and a giant tree limb just fell and broke his back, just fell right on him, crushing him. Um, he was, you know, he was lighthearted about it, joked on Twitter that um, his back will heal and that he still has use of his arms, legs, and Twitter fingers. He then also joked that he will definitely be making a baseball bat out of the tree that crushed him. So, you know, thank God he's okay, but man, that could have gone a lot worse. Yikes. So be careful out there. Okay, the running market is completely fizzling out. If that's not evident, take no further a look than Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. So... I think Monday at 4 p.m. was the deadline. The Giants and Saquon did not agree on a long-term deal. Barkley will earn $10.1 million on the franchise tag this year, which is less than half of what elite wide receivers, offensive linemen, and defenders make, but it is near the top of the market for running backs. The same goes for Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. And a little more surprising, Jacobs led the NFL in rushing last year with 1,653 yards. He's 25 years old, and... He got tagged. And then, of course, Tony Pollard. Well, this is weird because the Cowboys, you know, got rid of Zeke. So they you figure Tony Pollard's going to be their guy, right? Well, they tagged him. And at least Tony Pollard is going to play. He already signed his franchise tag, so there's no 
um, question surrounding his play. But but for Barkley and Jacobs, they could hold out, and I think both hinted as such. I know Barkley was on a podcast, and he hinted that you know he could hint, uh, he could hold out if he truly wants to. I don't think he will. Um, we've seen this now with Le'Veon Bell. It's just not a, it, it doesn't work. Yeah, you might get paid eventually, but you're not going to be the same player if you do hold out. So, and many of the highest profile players at the running back position, including you know Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, they have all voiced their displeasure right now at the running back market. But sorry, you're just not Daniel Jones, Saquon. Daniel Jones is worth. $40 million because he went out and had the best game of his life again in Minnesota in the playoffs. And, you know, you can win with a mishmash of running backs. You might not be able to win a Super Bowl, but you can win. And, I mean, you look at the Chiefs, they're able to win a Super Bowl. They don't have, like, elite, elite level uh, running backs, you know, doing it with seventh-round running backs out of Rutgers and, you know, pass-catching running backs and things of that nature. And, Here's the thing. We still have Ezekiel Elliott, who I just mentioned, and also Dalvin Cook, who are still out there, still looking for teams. I mean, we know Dalvin Cook is going to get paid, of course, or is going to sign, but many of us are like, what about Zeke? I almost forgot about Zeke. So it's like, where the hell is Zeke? Um, So, yeah, crazy that this is going on. Um, And while that's going on, I can't forget the fact that DeAndre Hopkins signed I think this was on Sunday while I was playing golf. I was a little surprised by this, but DeAndre Hopkins signed with the Tennessee Titans of all teams this week, which was I thought was surprising. I mean, I'm glad he's not going to the Patriots, but this is just a boring team for me that he went to. Yeah, you got Will Levis there, but you got Ryan Tannehill. I think this is the last year of his deal. I don't expect them to be anything great. Um, Traylon Burks they drafted last year, so... Yeah, he'll pair well with him. But he's now joining names like Julio Jones, Randy Moss, and Andre Johnson of players who joined the Titans like past their primes and produced very little. So I don't know if that was the right move for him. All right, um, last two things here. Back to some basketball. So, of course, nobody watches the WNBA for good reason. We've seen this social media influencer guy who basically just got banned now from NBA NWNBA stuff because he thought it would be funny to take a nap. He brought a blanket and a little, you know, thing to pull over his eyes. And he was sitting courtside taking a nap at a WNBA game and he got called out. And um, so now he's been banned. But they didn't market this very well. I didn't even know that that, that it was All-Star Weekend in the WNBA, really, if not for the alerts I got. I'm eating dinner on Friday. And Sabrina Ionescu... Um, Yonescu, whatever you want to call her, however you pronounce it. She put together the greatest three-point shootout round in WNBA or NBA history, making 25 of 27 shots, including at one point 20 in a row. And she won the, 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 the shootout, the contest. Like, that's ridiculous. I don't care, men or women, the way she was shooting the ball was impressive. Uh, to say the least. So it might be boring to watch their games, but watching her shoot, that was freaking impressive. And then last but not least, um, LeBron James will be changing his number back to number 23 out of respect for Bill Russell. So back up just a little bit. The NBA permanently retired Bill Russell's number last August after his death, but allowed any current players wearing the number to continue wearing it. So LeBron's like, no, out of respect for like the greatest winner in our sport, I am going to stop wearing that number and I'll go back to the number 23. 
Okay, uh, that wraps this up, guys. I didn't have any, like, videos to play for you or anything like that um, this today or any audio. Um, and we're at on this day in sports or on this date, uh, July 21st here. I couldn't find anything sports-related, uh, to be perfectly honest. I have one for yesterday. I believe July 20th was it 1969. That's when we landed on the moon. Well, the only thing I could find on the interwebs for the 21st was the late, great Robin Williams was born on July 21st, 1951. So let that sink in for a second. Um, and yeah, of course, we all know um, he sadly committed suicide a few years back, which was both shocking and horrific. But um, anyway, guys, that's going to wrap this up. I'm going to go watch the rest of the Open Championship. I'm going to go regrip my 60-degree wedge. And um, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. U.S. plays tonight, World Cup. Uh, Yankees are back in action. Um, they're in last place, so they've got some uh, catching up to do. Yankees are playing Kansas City tonight. Um, you know, Messi's making his debut tonight on Apple. It's going to be a fun weekend of sports. All right, stay safe out there. I'll catch everybody next weekend or next Friday. This is the Pody signing off.